if Peru taxed people who use Machu Picchu as their dating profile, do you think it could make a decent sum of money to help social programs there? <laughs> What's going on, beautiful person out there in the ether? Welcome to another episode of the Bituation Room podcast live stream with yours truly, Francesca Fiorentini. I had an MSNBC special once. It aired in the dead of night. Uh, yeah, proudest moment. Bernie Sanders was interviewed. Um, thank you so much for being here. If you are here, in fact, live, and if you are in the future, uh, do we make it number one and two? Uh, what, what, like, what is the genitalia of the aliens that end up conquering Earth? Like, what does that look like? Because I think we're all curious. Um, we got a great show for you today. We've got Brett Ehrlich from TYT. He is uh, here. Uh, he's waiting in the wings. He's practicing his lines. It's very exciting. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, ivermectin, among other bad COVID remedies. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, I'm like, what are the happy things we're talking about? Oh, we're going to be talking about uh, our favorite boomer who has somehow still has a show on HBO, uh, Bill Maher, uh, with once again, the worst take ever. But we're really going to be focusing also on Peru with Professor Jose Ragas, uh, who is going to be here explaining the new leftist president that has come to power in Peru, what that means, what's he all about, um, like, is there more to him than the just the biggest sombrero I think I've ever seen on anyone, on any politician? Strong sombrero game is what I'm saying. Uh, if you're here on YouTube, what up? Can you click the like button? Can you click the the, the subscribe thingy now? Because, like, obviously, amazing. And, um, you know, ring the bell. I know that you don't always get alerts, but when you do, you know, when YouTube, um, when it's not underpaying employees in, in the Philippines, uh, sometimes things work. And uh, that's good. That's also great. Um, also, if you're listening as a podcast, give this podcast five stars on iTunes. That really, really helps. And uh, Skin Puppy, who left a very nice review, said, Francesca, stop asking whether we make it in the future. We don't. Sorry, Skin Puppy. Sorry. I feel like your name is very post-apocalyptic already. So anyway, um, but before we get into everything, I got some announcements, obviously. Next Thursday, next Thursday, September 2nd at 7 o'clock, 7.30, doors open at 7.45. The point is I'm in Portland, Oregon with Matt Lieb, with Max Smith, who's a local BLM organizer, um, also with uh, Eric K. Ward, who specializes in all things, or at least analyzing all things having to do with the rise of white nationalism in the United States. Uh, we're going to be live. We're going to do the show live. It'll be so fun. A lot of y'all have your tickets, but please get them. I think it's bit.ly slash TBR Portland. Get your tickets uh, right now. And if you can't get there, we are going to be streaming it. If all goes to plan, and I don't know how technology works, but we are going to try and stream the show. So Thursday, September 2nd, uh, here on YouTube, uh, probably also on Twitch. Uh, until, you know, 
the corporate overlords shut me down. So mark your calendars, y'all. Also, we've got merch. The show has merch. It's beautiful. I'm sure you all saw uh, Dragon Daddy John Idarola uh, modeling it the other day. Bituationroom.com is where you can get that. There are tote bags. There are T-shirts. Uh, there are stickers. Very, very cute little Frantifa sticker. Let them know. Let them know. You're down for the struggle, but with laughs. I was going to say with snuggle, which I like more. With snuggle. Um, also, uh, for all y'all who don't know, this show is sponsored by you and you only. Patreon.com slash room. Please become a patron. Ten bucks gets you a big old shout out. Just a hearty shout out. Thank you to all the new patrons. I see you. I see you five buck people. I see you two buck people. And I love you. Uh, but for everyone else, um, this is the fart song. Yes, I am eight years old. Will not get over fart humor. Thank you to new patrons at 10 bucks or more. Denise C, Jesus G, to the big tippers, Karen K, defying all Karen stereotypes. Right in your face, babe. Uh, thank you so much. Joseph L, thank you. Twitch subs. We don't have any new twitch subs and that's very sad so why don't you subscribe to this channel right now just do it because like you're here and it's gonna be fun and you know whatever you can just subscribe um also big birthday shout out to mike murray who is a soundcloud rapper in his spare time his name is one off so look for him on one off on soundcloud mike you're a virgo i like you i knew you i liked you before but now I like you even more. Early Virgos, where you at? Mount up, Bernie Sanders, Beyonce, and yours truly. All right, you guys, uh, let's get into it. Um, what what are you bitching about today? Uh, just put on your crankiest little dirty diapies. This is what are you bitching about? So um, today is. Uh, a pretty sad and solemn day because um, in the never-ending quest for retribution on so-called terrorists throughout Middle East, the Middle East and Central Asia, the United States has droned um, civilians in Afghanistan, in Kabul, saying that they were trying to stop another attack uh, like the one we saw earlier in the week, um, which was devastating and did kill 170 um Afghans plus 13 or 15 U.S. servicemen and women, um, which is awful. But then in response, Biden's we will hunt you down with drone strikes. Yet, see, the thing is, those drone strikes haven't gotten any more precise. And our intelligence about Afghanistan, which has been shit for 20 years, never got any better. So, of course, a family has died, civilians have died, and thus continues the cycle of creating more and more people around the world who hate Americans for ruining their communities, their, their nations, uh, for using them as launching grounds for all kinds of ridiculous wars and making, earning a hell of a killing literally and figuratively off of their suffering. And, um, you know, I think back to 9-11, I think back to to when I was coming up and becoming politicized by a very uh, a very moving group named 9-11 Families for a Peaceful Tomorrow. And their response to their family members being killed on 9-11 was, we don't want war. We don't want more bloodshed. 
Because when is it enough? When is it end, y'all? Like, when does it actually end? Uh, and are any, you know, there's new, there's, there's, there's a lot of reporting coming out about this. A lot of those reporting, that reporting is not leading with civilians have been killed. No, it's just leading with um, big, strong America uh, seeks, seeks revenge on its own being killed. And that's it. Big, strong America, drone, drone strikes, drone strikes, drone strikes. Never mind the fact that we never cover drone strikes when they kill innocent civilians. And we haven't over the last, you know, 10 years, really, as this war has been a status quo of shit. Um, that's one thing I'm bitching about. But I, the other thing that I think is really important, and I want to get through this real quickly, but for everyone to understand about um, the role of Trump and Obama in creating this mess that we're in now that we never talk about. Let's leave Obama aside for one second, you know, and, and how ridiculous it was that we we did the surge in 2009, 10, whatever. Um, but let's talk about Trump. You know, the media has been giving him an utter pass. They've been bludgeoning, you know, uh, it's, it's all about Biden. Biden screwed up, Biden's withdrawal. But no one's talking about Trump. Uh, one of the uh, analysts, foreign policy analysts that I've had on this show that I love, who I've followed for a very long time now, is Juan Cole. He's got a great blog called Informed Comment. He writes, he he, he gathers the sort of the best Middle East experts, and he, so you definitely should read it. Um, he's talking about Trump's role in this entire debacle, right? It would have been a debacle anyway. We know that. I've said that many times, but it actually was worse thanks to no surprise, Donald Trump. And why? Why is that? Well, because one of the pieces of this is that ISIS-K, which is a form of ISIS, which is this ISIS in Afghanistan, many of them were actually imprisoned. And Trump negotiated a prisoner release of 5,000 prisoners against the will of the president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, right? So this is Juan Cole writing, um, the Afghan National Army and U.S. troops defeated uh, ISIS-K in 2019, capturing nearly 2,000 militants. Some of them appear to have been among the 5,000 prisoners the Trump administration forced the government of Ashraf Ghani to release last year as part of his February 2020 peace deal with the Taliban, which I explain here. So Trump's strong-arm tactics on Kabul may have helped ISIS-K reconstitute itself in a small way. I'm sure that ta the Taliban did not actually want those particular fighters released. Um, this is where he goes into more of the ways that Trump Force this abrupt departure from Afghanistan in an article, Six Ways Trump Forced an Abrupt Departure from Afghanistan. In the treaty, Trump promised to pull 8,500 troops out of the country in about four and a half months. He pledged that the Afghanistan government of Ashraf Ghani would release 5,000 captured Taliban and Al-Qaeda fighters. Ashraf Ghani at first resisted this provision, saying he was not party to the talks and thought it was a horrible idea. But under strong Trump pressure, Ghani let the fighters go by the following October. So not only is the Trump administration and the media allowing the Trump administration to get away with pretending like they were not on board with the withdrawal, they were not on board with allowing the, the, the Taliban to come back into power, Trump openly said that, but now they're rewriting exactly what happened and not being honest about the fact that, yes, some of these fighters, because ISIS-K is not that big, some of these fighters were already in prison. He was like, uh, I don't know, let go of these 5,000 prisoners, even though the president of Afghanistan didn't want that. Let's actually remember and understand recent history. It's funny because the media does have like a Trump industrial complex. They love talking about him, except for when it comes to war. You know he was fucking up in Afghanistan too. Why not talk about it? 
but no one's talking about it. So, you know, hats off to Juan Cole, really appreciate his work. And maybe we can get him back on to discuss this more. Um, and for sure, make sure to check out um, uh, informed comment. And on that really, really lovely note, uh, I want to bring in my first guest uh, for the hour. He is a host, a producer, a director of programming at the Young Turks Network, where in addition to producing TYT's flagship show, he recently developed and launched TYT's fastest growing show, Indisputable, with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, so good, uh, as well as his own shows, Common Room, Happy Half Hour, and the Sunday Stream, which just happened, on TYT's Twitch channel. Prior to TYT, he helped develop and launch the Damage Report with John Iderola. Forever heard of it. Also, Anna Kasparian's limited series, No Filter, and worked on Al Gore's current TV. I've heard of that. Please welcome Mr. Brett Ehrlich. Hey, how's everybody going today? Uh, how's everybody going today? I've been going how's for everybody two hours. How are, how are you going? <laughs> I sit every time. I sit no matter which one I got to go. I sit. I thought you were just streaming. Yes. And I thought you were going to like you know, I don't get up and like run some laps or like do some push-ups or something to like, oh. get the blood flowing. It's <laughs> a good idea. Now that's Is all it? I want to do. Uh, I'll do some arm exercise. I've been exercising a lot. We're moving. Do these ones. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And it smells like bleach in here. So if I am a little lightheaded, if I pass out, it's I can't I can't imagine what my wife is going through because it's not even this bathroom that smells. It's we have two little bathrooms. The I love second, how you guys are like, well, might as well get the blood stains out before we leave. It's like, why are you like among other fluids, really? Yes, 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 yes. You know how it is. Um, that deep clean. That deep clean. Yeah, we gotta it's do that. Um, I'll, and so <laughs> we're moving. There's not a lot of stuff. So this is the wine that I'm drinking is from this tiny <laughs> ewer. That looks like when you order a carafe at some like bullshit restaurant <laughs> and it's like the smallest creamer. You're like, what? It's also like, have you ever been to a restaurant where they bring you, you like, I'd like a glass of wine and they go six or eight. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, six ounces or eight ounces. Like, I, I'm going to go with the middle price point here. And then they're like, all right, we'll bring you six ounces in a cup. And then we'll bring you yes. two ounces in a little thing on the side that yes. that like you if you drunk. look at the cup next to it, you're like, all of this could have fit in here. You think <laughs> I'm going to respect you more because you brought a second vessel. But at the end of it, I would have respected you more if you just brought me a full ass glass. Yeah. So stupid. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Brett, is that what you're bitching about? Because we start off this show with asking, I mean, you've been on the show once. Yes. Way long ago, in the before times. Yeah. Um, but what are you bitching about today? I was going to bitch about, you know, hurricane weathermen. But really, your discussion <laughs> of, it's funny, because like Al Roker was out there being like, yeah. I'm by some, I'm in a splash zone. It's like, do I learn anything? And just you standing there, I want to see you try to like, you know, tie your shoes or something during, or like put yes. up an umbrella, put up a beach umbrella in it. Like, I want to see them do that. I want to totally. see some, some comedy like they're being taken away. But no, the thing is, like, yeah, use the wind for your physical comedy, you know, <laughs> like pretend you're like knocking on a door and then like opening it, you know, and then it all comes through. Just like, do some or just blow away that's my thing i'm always like why can't they just blow away like i'd watch that uh yeah that's it's so bad 
But I do want to point out, uh, before I get into what I'm bitching about, you did have some subscribers on Twitch. You had a level five hype train with 3,000 bits. You had Thanks. Holy Beer Dragon gifting five subs, Nemo gifting five tier one subs, Trill South and L Parker X and Just Czar, among others. Those are just the oh ones my that I god so. thank you so much brad for pointing that out and thanks for everyone who did that holy i don't even know what half those things mean but i i think i know bits are good bits are you know it's like when you go to have you been to galaxy's edge in disneyland and they're like i haven't you haven't i mean it hasn't been over that long but like only special people have been the point is is that they're like they call everything credits they're like oh that'll be five credits you're like well how much is five credits they're like five dollars and you're like just call it fucking dollars. What's wrong with you? We're not allowed to call it dollars. No. I don't want to, I hate to break it to you, but I'm a grown up. Yeah, For the kids? You, know, you can just. All day. But call I'm whatever a you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Thank you so much. What are you bitching about? Here's what I'm bitching about I'm bitching about Lindsey Graham and Ben Sass. Because mm. among all of this, these guys who have who have been flailing for some kind of identity, like, Lindsey Graham just went out on uh, Face the Nation, I think it was, and said, this is a dereliction of duty from from Joe Biden, and he needs to be impeached and resign and leave office. It's like these guys, Lindsey Graham, who has just been flailing, I think I said he had a nipple dick on, on the show, just like his nipple dick, is his tiny dick is so hard because he can, uh, he uh, has- Ah, uh, uh, no, 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 no. Okay, what? sorry. No, I just, I was about to, that was really rough. Too much. No. It's like a little. Brett is making so a small. Small. That is, that's it, a big old nipple that you're creating right there, by well, the way. Well, you know, it depends. Some people got this. I'd say people have this. All right, let me, how about now? Yeah, For those see, listening to the podcast, I've made my nipple dick pinky finger smaller. Yeah. Anyways, but his his tiny nipple dick is so hard at the thought of going back to a pre-Trump time when his job as a Republican was just to fearmonger about terrorism. And yeah. he could ride that administration into administration. And he gets mm -hmm. to be that guy who's like, you're making us less safe. The, no one's going with him on this. Most people are like, yes, I don't want our people to die and we don't want Americans left behind, obviously. But your counter offer is just staying there forever. And I, over I the say long he, term, yeah. Little nipple dick should go to war. Just mm -hmm. head out, bro. You know, then and like you don't even have to worry about I don't know. Like it's so you know, I don't know. Like you don't have to worry about any extremities getting like, you know, blown off because you know, clearly your little your little wee wee is you can't find it. So the point is, is these he guys should all just volunteer. The the genitalia of Lindsey Graham has got to look like a, like a little penguin toy. Because I'm sure what? he's got so picture a penguin. Like, like it's a got toy. a monocle, like the penguin from Batman. We no, you know, like the little penguins that are like, I guess it's the shape of a of a bowling pin, right? Like a little penguin. And then it's got this tiny like little. Does it also have a little? Does it have a southern uh, accent, South Carolina? Squeeze it, it goes. Uh, 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 Graham. I just want a forever war. I just want a forever war. 
<laughs> but the bottom distract from my own problems. The bottom part of the of the um of you're the, going too far. <laughs> the bottom part of the penguin is his ball sack. And then the the little beak is his wiener. You know, you know, usually I'm the one that grosses John I to roll out, and now you're grossing me out with I, Lady Grey's penis. But it's my theory that it's not, and this is the first little penis joke that I'll make about a Republican. My theory on all of them, the ones trying to make the biggest stink out there that they're the dopest, is that they have weird penises. Like, I don't think no, Tucker Carlson weird. has a small penis. I think he's got a weird one. We actually know that to be true based on some, like, like serial sexual assaulters and rapists, like uh, Harvey Weinstein and uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Now, this is not to, like, body shame, but there is a correlation between those, those dudes and their mangled-ass junk. Right. Okay, we, we gotta move on. I'm not on mad at the shape or... <laughs> or qualities of the member. I'm talking yeah. about how they handle that condition. Because a lot of people have weird penises, Francesca. Send not, them to war. Yeah, not everyone enters into a forever war because of it. That's true. All right, we got to move into the week. Uh, this was the week where thousands gathered in DC for the March for Voting Rights on the 58th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo left office, but before he did, granted clemency to the political prisoner and former member of the Weather Underground, David Gilbert. Mm -hmm. uh, Blackwater founder and war criminal Eric Prince offered evacuations from Afghanistan for $6,500 a pop. Uh, 16 years after Katrina, Hurricane Ida made landfall in Louisiana, and this time Kanye West will most likely be in favor of shooting looters. And in an interview, Rudy Giuliani says he doesn't think he's done an interview drunk, but also, what was the question? For everything else, this is the week where. This was the week where uh, cattle across the country's butts became a little bit itchier as Americans with COVID have been buying up and administering the unproven livestock dewormer ivermectin to treat themselves. Uh, it's been pushed by Fox News. It's been pushed by politicians like Senator Rand Paul and Ron Johnson. The CDC has reported a 24-fold increase in ivermectin prescriptions. And my question is, who are the doctors prescribing this? Like, are they veterinarians? Because that's the only way it makes sense. Like, And that wouldn't surprise me if more Americans could afford to see a vet than they could an actual doctor. Like, that actually checks out. Um, but now, let's be real, we're making horse meds too expensive, and pretty soon horses are going to have to start, like, cooking meth and selling it uh, in order to pay for their prescription drugs. There's going to be, like, a whole series about them. And then cows will be like, we need moo to care for all. Um, yes. And <laughs> yes. 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 Apparently, uh, trips to the hospital because of ivermectin poisoning have increased. People are having explosive diarrhea, all because, remember, they won't take the COVID-19 vaccine and, I guess, not wear a mask or stay home. Um, one of those people, this is the news, one of those people who's taking the drug is disgraced Magistar Milo Yiannopoulos, who posted uh, on wherever the hell he's still allowed to post, Telegram, Par um, that, <laughs> Parler, Parler. 
that he he's got delta he got he says he got delta from a vaccinated person and it's hitting him hard he's got a fever and aches and he's lost 80 percent of his taste which is funny because he lost the other 20 percent thanks to his disco hitler fashion sense mm -hmm. uh then he posted this photo on telegram of himself self-administering the ivermectin with the caption now we wait <laughs> Oh it's God. got cows and pigs on it. It's Literal not... cows and pigs on the bottle. Oh my God. If you take the caption from his Instagram upload, run it through Google Translate into German or Greek, because Yiannopoulos, mm -hmm. and then translate it back into English, it says, please, please, please look at me. <laughs> I know. I mean, the last I saw of Milo, other than the RNC in 2016 was when he was on Infowars just like pouring some of those supplements into his hand going like, well, if it doesn't kill me, like it was doing something else medically ridiculous. It was doing something, another non-FDA approved fucking stunt for clicks. Uh, and yeah, he, he wants, he wants us to talk about him. Um, I want to just like, I wish that the COVID denialism made, like I wish it made sense a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like I wish there was an angle that like checked out, but none of it checks out. It's like, we don't want our, we don't want to be locked down. We want our freedoms. We don't want the vaccine, but we also don't want the mask. Okay. So then none of that makes sense. Cause all y'all are dying. Well, okay? I, I would get it if it's just, I don't want a government to mandate that I wear a mask. Like, I get that if a doctor tells me, if everyone tells me, but if the government's mandating that I do it, if that's the only thing, that makes sense. That is a strict anti-government overreach thing. And, and I, again, like, this is me trying desperately to come to sure. terms with a consistent thing. And, and if you talk to anybody, like, I make a point to talk to conservatives, to be like, call me crazy, burst my bubble. And, the, right. and, the, and I can't, I haven't gotten anyone who fully says it. But I do, I do understand people who are like, I just don't want the government to tell me to do it. But it never is just that. It is I if a if a private business tells me I have to wear a mask to walk inside, I hate that private business. I think that should be illegal. I'm going to wear a mask inside that. But if it's flipped and that private business is like, I'm I'm not gonna make a gay cake, they're like, Yeah, free speech. That's what's frustrating to me. That's the inconsistency I think you're talking think about. Yeah. yeah, but I think there's two things that one is it is like imagine being someone you're trapped in your own lack of logic because if you do wear a mask you look like you're supporting a mask mandate so on principle people who know even if it is just about personal responsibility should they know they should wear a mask they won't because they're afraid that they'll look like they believe in what the government also agrees with and so yeah. they don't want to get caught out that's what i'm saying they have to triangulate their fucking you know, you know, ideology first and science and reality second. And then, yeah, the comments are saying exactly seatbelts, drinking and driving, how old you can be to drink anyway, how old you can be to buy cigarettes, like all the things. If you want to travel, you need to get your shots anyway. Tell you who is un who's vaccinated. Migrants, immigrants who come to this country and become citizens are vaccinated. Um, right. And there's never a priority on the actual information. For me, like I, I've read the studies and I've, I've read 
a lot of information about this. And I know that like, I want masks to work better than they do. They don't work amazingly, but they work better than not wearing masks. Like that's what's in all those studies. So I'm gonna do the thing that works better. And I understand organizations and private businesses and individuals and governments that acknowledge that fact because it's reality. Yeah. That's and and everyone who's working against that just wants to feel right. And for so long, like during the Trump administration, I was like they're wrong, they're stupid, everything sucks, but like it hasn't negatively affected them in any tangible way, Trump's incompetence. Yeah. But then yeah. it suddenly did. And even mm -hmm. that monster that Trump grabbed the tail of bit him when he said you guys should take the vaccine and they booed him. Like that's yeah. what's so unwieldy about the entire Trump movement for people who are trying to lead it when it reveals that the whole time they were actually kind of just following crazy with the algorithm wherever it led them. I am forever frustrated. I'm I'm mad at Biden putting all the eggs in the vaccine basket. I think that was stupid as shit. And like I definitely come down on more contact tracing, more involvement. You know, I know you know Australia's got protests now even though they've done an incredible job at containing the virus. I'm, I'm with them. I'm with like the Australia and the New Zealand model. Right now, there's new estimates that show that we are on track to have 100,000 more deaths. It's putting us at what, like 730,000 deaths by December 1st, unless we do something. And that something is vaccination, but it's also wearing masks. And yeah, you're right. They don't always work. But the ones that do, like the actual N95s, do fucking work. You can wear that and it works for like 24, 48 hours, something like that. Whereas like cloth masks, it'll last for like an hour, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, I'd like a Biden mask, please. I'd like someone to give me an N a government-issued N95. Although the right would freak the fuck out about it, you know? But you can write, you can like, you know, make it cute or whatever. Last point before we move on, uh, yeah. back to the ivermectin animal thing. Did you hear about the socialist uh, veterinarian and what he believed in? <laughs> it was a, a single spare system. Thank you. I knew there was a pun there. Very good. A single spare system. That's what I, I was like laughing about right after you made your joke. <laughs> and I waited until there was a time. Perfect time. All right, moving on. This was the week where the guy who's mad that Monica Lewinsky blowjob jokes don't hit like they used to continues to prove why he should be put out to comedy pasture. Bill Maher went full OK Boomer again in a rant about why woke American kids should stop complaining about Afghanistan online and just be grateful that they don't live there. Let's take a look at this. Have you ever heard of honor killings, public beheadings, throwing gay men off of roofs, arranged marriages to minors, state-sanctioned wife beating, female genital mutilation, marriage by capture? because we have. What's the lesson of Afghanistan? Maybe it's that everyone from the giant dorm room bitch session that is the internet should take a good look at what real oppression looks like. Ask your maid, ask your Uber driver, ask the Asian woman giving you a massage. She'll tell you this place is Shangri-La and not just because she works in a place called Shangri-La. <laughs> they laughed at that. <laughs> I laughed at it the first time I heard it. Oh, dude, that's a rough admission. That's a terrible joke. I just want to say, 
I, I, I'm mad at this for so many reasons, but he just named like groups of immigrants who've come to the United States because the United States has destabilized and plundered their countries, right? This is the harvest of empire, right? Asian immigrants, the Vietnamese immigrants the, for, who, are, who are escaping the, rem, like the, the remnants of the Vietnam War, Central American immigrants uh, who are escaping Central American death squads in the 80s, right? To now, those who are running away from drug wars that the U.S. continues to, to funnel money and, and weapons into, to the now Afghan immigrants, right? And the 20-year war we wage there, like, that, it's, it, he has no insight or any kind of understanding of why people migrate here. It's not because it's the land of the free and it's great, oh my god. Have you been to Cold Stone Creamery? There's like a lot of flavors. No, motherfucker, it's because we fucked your country up. And also, second point, have you heard of state-sanctioned murder and capital punishment? The United States is one of like four countries in the world that does it, including like Iran and I don't know, Burundi. I don't know where else. I don't literally know. It's like us and Iran. The, there are 2 million people in our prison system right now, uh, black Americans in the streets being like mowed down for their beliefs, being having their voting rights taken away, immigrants deported who've lived here for decades. Like, Shit is good for you, Bill Maher, but shit is not good for the majority of Americans. Workers are falling dead in Nabisco and Lay's uh, chips factories. Yeah, the that's, fuck out of your studio. I'm sorry. It just drips with like, like privilege is a word that I hadn't thought about until people started like labeling things as privilege. And I'm like, yes, that is the word for it. He gets to say, because like the, the, the kernel of good advice you can find in Bill Maher's premise is there's bad stuff happens in the world and you should be grateful for every good thing that you have. Thank you. <laughs> but when it's, yeah. as you're elaborating, you're like, yo, talk to your maid. <laughs> Cause you have a maid. <laughs> who the fuck are talk you talking to? to? Like you've already admitted who your audience is. In addition to on every Friday, when you chastise your audience for not laughing acknowledging that you can't find those people even on vacation when your wranglers are down at santa monica pier begging folks to come down and see a taping Ooh, that's what's happening hey. like that's where they go they go where like people are having like tourists are do you want to see bill mark come on down and he's and like, he gets no. mad every friday but like he i would say that both those things are can be accurate like that america ruined your country he doesn't know anything about that he'll refuse to acknowledge that forever it's just too much too inconvenient for him and those and there's people who do believe that america is this promised land where you can come and get a job and feed your family and everything like you can still believe both those things but but like there is no but way that's that your takeaway from Afghanistan. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like that's, there's no way that that's that, the lesson. Those two things come together. And there's no way I believe that Bill Maher really appreciates the nuances of an immigrant mindset. There's no way. All he no. wants is to like feel cool. And like, cause previous to that in his bit, he talked about like, it's so hard for me. I've had two presidents up my ass about oh God, freedom yeah. of speech. It's like, that's what it is. 
you you really get off on people reacting to you. Of course you do. You're a performer, and I get it. But you can see where he gets mad that his jokes just aren't landing because he isn't keeping up with that Twitter sphere that he so hates, and that's yeah. why. Yes. And he's it's an old take. I'm sorry, it's the oldest take. This is your grandpa's take being like, well, you know, you should be grateful. You live in a free country. And other people, like, it is a finish your broccoli because starving kids in Africa don't have, like, that's, he might as well be saying that to the audience. And, like, it's just, it's so stale. I don't care that he's an older guy, that he's a boomer. It's fine. But, like, it's such a stale take. And last point is, you totally put, like, pointed it out. Him saying made is, like, what do you mean made? Are you trying to say, like, domestic worker? Are you trying to say even something like house cleaner? Like, are you trying to say someone who you've hired to do work in your... But no, no, made is what comes out in his, his motherfucking mouth. Like, because he has one. Because he has staff. Right. And, and it's, you're not supposed to call them... It's not a maid. Oh, God. Right. And it's 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 tough. Because, like, I can't tell the extent to which people who are complaining on Twitter are actually mad. That's the thing. And neither can he. But whenever he he sees blowback, he assumes that everyone out there cares so much about him that they're livid and they're going to they're going to cancel Bill Maher. It's like, no, your low ratings will cancel you. Yeah. Not not the Twitter mob. Mm. All right. Last story. Before we get into what's going on in Peru, this was the week where Michael Byrd, the Capitol Police officer who shot and killed insurrectionist Ashley Babbitt, finally went public with his story to NBC's Lester Holt, and it's very moving, and let's take a look. I had been yelling and screaming as loud as I was, please stop, get back, get back, stop. We had our weapons drawn. There's a gun! There's a gun! Byrd, only his hand and gun visible, targeted a figure trying to climb through a window. He fired a single, fatal shot, hitting Ashley Babbitt. She was 35 years old, an Air Force veteran, Trump supporter, and QAnon follower. We see your arm out there for a considerable amount of time. Were you wavering? I was taking a tactical stance. You're ultimately hoping that your commands will be complied with, and unfortunately, they were not. Former President Trump has has talked about you and this and this incident. He says she was murdered. What does it feel like to hear that from a former president? Well, it's disheartening. If he was in the room or anywhere and I'm responsible for him, I was prepared to do the same thing for him and his family. Would you have his back today if you were so assigned? I sure would, because it's my job. As I said, your name is, has been on the internet for some time in an, in an unofficial way. A lot of rumors, a lot of accusations, one of which is that you had some sort of political motive. Um, you, were, you were a political wow. operative. I do my job for Republican, for Democrat, for white, for black, red, blue, green. Capitol Police in their uh, press release after exonerating you said your actions potentially save members and staff from serious injury and possible death. What was it like to hear those words, to see those words? Those words meant a lot because that's exactly what I did on that day. All right. That was uh, Michael Byrd 
um, who was the Capitol Police officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. And he went on to say that he's faced a lot of death threats, people saying that, you know, he should be beheaded, you know, on brand vanilla ISIS shit. Um, I don't know, Brett, what are your reactions to just seeing seeing him come forward and 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 those words i mean i didn't learn anything from that that i didn't already believe to be true like that someone who was working didn't want to shoot anybody and mm -hmm. that like i also imagine exactly what the other side's gonna say like no one waited for that that's one of those things that everybody already has what they're gonna say before they hear it and there's nothing that guy can say to change anyone's minds along the way. Like if Christine Blasey Ford's account of Brett Kavanaugh couldn't have people come come away with like a different opinion of what happened that day or what this guy was like or any of that, then there's no way that guy's going to do it in a time that charge. Like already people immediately during that interview and after people were vilifying him and lauding mm -hmm. Ashley Babbitt as some kind of, hero when truly like they are take the vanilla ices all the way like that's their martyr and they've already started they're getting her family they're getting her friends he, she was a trespasser to say it nicely and a terrorist to say it accurately yes like she came there she, the, the next step was nancy pelosi's neck for her or mike pence's neck that's what they were doing those weren't the people like on a tour though there were there were things up against that door and there were people with guns pointing them in there. And they had been told many times along the way on John on, on damage report. I was saying like they already passed the outer gate of the Kabul airport. They got past the, the, the other, the second gate of the Kabul, the Abbey gate. They were mm -hmm. on the runway at that point, trying to get into a plane. That's where she was in, in relation to the complex to put it in, their warmonger ideas and parlance or whatever like that that's where she was and she got shot and killed because she was a terrorist and yeah. if you support the police on the right then you should support this guy for doing his job i mean that's the thing that i i think is been thrust into full view is the double standard on display over and over again when it comes to blue lives matter which blue lives who are they defending um, Ashley Babbitt was a vet, was a right. She she was in the Air Force, mm -hmm. like, and there were a lot of folks. And so you you realize also once again the radicalizing force that going to fight the foreign you know other enemy has on you and and makes you believe you know all kinds of things. And like also is is the military can be a very radicalizing force. It can it cannot be. Not everyone goes through that, but it can be. It preps you and primes you for a lot of the violence that we saw on January 6th. And a lot of folks were either former officers, current or former military. And that's that's a reckoning we have to do. I will say watching him come forward, one, I thought it was incredibly brave. I am a softy and so man. Watching him have tears in his eyes, just like seeing the other Capitol Police officers who testified uh, in the hearing, seeing them get choked up and emotional, you realize... It's not a like, I felt hurt or I was scared. That, those aren't the tears. The tears are, man, I felt let down. Like I felt let down by my country that 
that I can't believe this is happening, number one. Number two, I can't believe that when I've tried to defend, you know, Congress people, that I've been thrown under the bus, that I've been vilified. Like that, that and I know that te- those tears, and I don't mean to sound super like sentimental about this, but like when I was like arrested for protesting once when I didn't mean to get arrested, it was not a direct action. I remember crying and I was like, why the fuck am I crying, Francesca? And I was like, oh, right, you're crying because you're so disappointed that like your country sucks so hard and that like you have to be this, you still have to be there and you've got hung out to dry. Um, so yeah, the, the last thing I'll say is I can't believe more shots weren't fired. I mean, Brett, can you believe like this is like one, one shot, really? There's not, there hasn't been that much gunfire. There wasn't that much gunfire. And if they were anyone else, if they were disabled uh, activists fighting to not rescind Medicaid, they would have been, it would have been open fire open season i don't know i can't like speak to that i can say what my gut is which is yes but like i don't know for a fact because it hasn't happened but um yeah i there the other the flip side of that is there are like are they badasses or are they cowards like if they're really there i don't i'm not i've had you know the skill of the last six years has been to you know read a trump supporter accurately can you like i don't know what do they want i'm sure there were people in there that were like i'm gonna beat the crap out of police there we have video of people shoving police officers and the police officers not doing anything and we have video of a police officer deciding to pull the trigger everybody i guess you know to your point like everybody who shoved a police officer and didn't end up dead is should be grateful um it's just Yeah. yeah it's a I, I after watching that video, I'm still of the perspective that not all cops are bastards. I'm still of the perspective that like there are a lot of bastards all, all over the place and that those folks wanted to storm the Capitol and freaking. And, and whether they knew they they were doing this or not, they were threatening the lives of elected representatives in a way that is not in uh, in in following of the Constitution. So like they're treasonous terrorists. And I know that people on their side hold like the analogs to that group to a much different standard. But as I've always said, I love double standards. Why wouldn't you want more standards? I want more ice cream. I want more money. I want more standards. Having two standards just makes me more of an open-minded person that I can hold two standards at the same time and not really acknowledge it or feel bad about myself. When you hold two ice creams at the same time, do you also not feel bad about yourself? Feels so good, dude. I feel bad if a single drop. I regret nothing. Um, All right, we're going to some comments. Uh, YouTube, Mark Moore, 1219. How many of these maggots injecting themselves with ivermectin can tell you what's in it? Yeah, yeah, honestly. It deworms. These the worm. That's why Um, I think that the prescriptions are up, because they're like, all right, I'll give you the people amount of it so you don't get ringworm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather you do this than go to Walgreens and Milo Yiannopoulos, your arm full of oh cattle dose. Injecting it. Okay. Uh, Ken Goodwin it. on YouTube. COVID naysayers. Naysayers. Um, Bill Maher. On Bill Maher. Uh, Psalm 1980. 
three on Twitch says, I stopped watching his show because of how whiny he became when his audience didn't laugh at his jokes. He's such a whiny little shit. Yeah, and he doesn't write them. So it's not only that he's mad, he laughs at his own jokes, which is already weird that he doesn't write, and he reads them like he's read them for the first time because he probably is. Ugh. And then he gets mad when his audience doesn't laugh. Whatever. Eric Graham on Twitch. That's not how you enter a building like a normal person on the Capitol Police officer. Yeah, that's not a tour. Uh, and Psalm 80, 1983, Blue Lives Matter unless they enforce the law against my violent impulses. 100%. Guys, do you know you can tip the show on Venmo, TBR-Live, TBR Live on Cash App, if you so choose, or, you know, gift the bits or gift the stars on uh, iTunes, or become a patron, patreon.com slash room. But let's get into it. We're talking about Peru's new president. Peru's been through a lot in the last five years. I want to talk about this latest socialist presidency uh this is the sitch and joining us he is a peruvian historian working as an assistant professor at the catholic university of chile he holds a phd in history from uc davis with a dissertation on the role of identity cards in the andes in chile he trains students on global history and in the circulation of science and medicine in the global south currently is writing a book on how peruvians experienced the 1990s and the authoritarian technocratic regime of alberto fujimori please welcome jose ragas hi francisca how are you Hi, Hi, Jose. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for being here um, and and dealing with all of our, you know, commentary on horse dewormer, et cetera. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts speaking on science and medicine in the global south. There must be a lot of other miracle <laughs> cures for COVID. And since the vaccines aren't getting to the global south fast enough, I'm sure people are turning to those, but not because... They're denialists. Um, but let's talk about uh, Pedro Castillo from the party Peru Libre. Tell me, he, okay, he won, like, only recently, like a couple months ago, by a mm -hmm. razor-thin majority against Kiko Fujimori, who is the daughter of yes. Alberto Fujimori, who was on, like, who was actually under indictment for yes. corruption or something at the time. So tell me about Pedro Castillo. Tell me about um, where did he come from, and was this victory a, a surprise? Well, uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me uh, this afternoon and tonight here in Santiago de Chile. I'm very glad to be uh, to be here in the show and to be back in California, at least uh, via <laughs> this way. Actually, yes. I, I brought my own map from the from UC Davis. <laughs> I, I have fond memories of California. So Jose's got the uh, UC Davis mug he just held up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so no, I, I, mean, I, I mean, it has been, a, uh, for many of us, has been a surprise, the victory of Pedro Castillo. Uh, he's a 50, 51 years old uh, rural school teacher. Uh, he comes from a rural background, uh, actually. And he was, a, it was the first time he, he ran for president, and he won, actually. It was, as we said, and many others, it was, a, uh, it was a very nice surprise. And actually, um, he, and he won to Keiko Fujimori, that, for, for her, it's her third time running for president, and she was very, very close in all these three times. Really, and um, to get to 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 get victory, and he couldn't, right? And so, and the thing is that uh, Pedro Castillo also is he's the first of many, many things. He's the first left-wing president in Peru. He's the first uh, president who comes from. He's a school teacher from a, from a public 
from the public government, and but he's also the first president in 65 years who doesn't live in the capital city, right? So this is, I mean, wow. this, is also, this is why the right wing and the right people, they were so mad at him. They were so, they were trying to build this coalition in order to just to remove uh, him, even though, uh, even before he uh, he was taking the oath for president, like a, a couple of weeks ago, no? So this has created a, a sort of a polarized environment here, uh, but, now the thing is they are trying to get them a little more kind of form because we are still facing, as you said, we are still facing a pandemic here, no? And even though the vaccination campaign is going very, very fast, we are, uh, the president and, and Peruvians, they are facing a very grim scenario ahead. Yeah, and, and tell me about that. Like, what is the situation in Peru? Why are there, you know, five presidents in five years and, mm. and Pedro Castillo comes in, he's a, he's a teacher. He is not from the capital, which is crazy. And he, he's got a slogan, which is no more poor people in a rich country. Absolutely. What does that mean yeah. for a, a country like Peru? And what are the things that he's promising? Like, why was it, has it been so attractive given the amount of, I, I'm assuming, instability? Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we had five presidents in five years. And actually, and the, and, uh, and the regular term for a president is five years here. But the problem is that we had a lot of crisis. There was a, a political crisis uh, last November when the Congress decided to remove, in a very tricky legal maneuver, decided to remove President Vizcarra, uh, who replaced President Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, who was elected in 2016, who also won to Keiko Fujimori. So there was, uh, there was a, it was a mess, totally. Right. It was a mess. And, and, this, and the Congress, they, they put a very corrupt uh, president, Manuel Marino, who only lasted five days because there was a really, there were big demonstrations, actually one of the largest demonstrations in the, in the history of the country uh, that they overthrown this, uh, this government. So now, Pedro, now, the, now this is the, I mean, it, unfortunately, it ended uh, this kind of, this time of political stability that the country had between 2001 and 2019. Now, it was a very, a very good time in terms of the political stability. There were regular elections uh, and there was economic growth. Mm -hmm. So, but what happened is that the pandemic exposed all these problems, not only in terms of the politics, but also in terms of the economic model with mm. neoliberalism, mm. right? So this has been a very, very complicated conjuncture right now that uh, because we have the pandemic, there was political instability. And also this is a bicentennial of the country. So the triumph of Pedro Castillo is symbolic and is important in many, many ways. And we are really, we are hoping that this could end or at least uh, improve the political instability for at least a couple of months or a couple of years uh, from now. Yeah, because there has never been a left-leaning uh, president in Peru, like in other countries in, La in South America specifically, that pink exactly. tide didn't hit Peru. Mm -hmm. And it is an incredibly, um, yeah, an unequal, uh, economically unequal society. And 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 I'm curious as to some of the things he's promising. What is he coming in with? I know one of them is around mining. Like Peru, yes. when you, know, you talk about a rich country, Peru is incredibly wealthy in terms of like copper mines and other mining and Canadian companies and other foreign companies have made a killing off of the Peruvian mining industry. So what is he, what is he bringing to the table now? And, and do you think he can get it done? I mean, uh, I mean, yes, 
Peru is a, is a, is a mining country. The problem is that Peru depends on the on, on minerals a lot. Now, actually, over the, 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 the past 20 years, this economic growth has depended on the, how do we export stones, basically, on minerals, no? But, but we, we haven't been able to transform those exports into a more productive sector or to how to uh, retain those, uh, the money that is, or the benefits, the profit that is pro producing the, the mining. So, so something that has happened on the one hand is that all these mining companies have been taken advantage of this economic boom, and they when they have been taking these profits out outside of the country. And on the other hand, one of the reasons why his motto and his slogan is no more poor people in a rich country is because for him and for his party and for his allies and for many people who voted for him, they are convinced that it's not only that Peru has to be more sovereign, mm -hmm. has to maintain control of the of the assets, mm -hmm. but also that they in corruption because it's another way how these profits and his money that the money is going outside the country or is not benefit is not going to benefit to the people who need the most right it's not redistributing money because it's going bribes it's going on paying to other paying to other uh, person people of the government and that explains uh, why there have been many all the presidents even before the past one they or former presidents, they went to jail or they have been in uh, under accusation. Actually, five presidents since, uh, actually, if we extend that to the 1990s with Fujimori, all the presidents, they have gone to jail or they are, or they just fled off the country. Only one who didn't, who didn't want to face accusations, he took his own life, Alan Garcia. Wow. Because he didn't, he, he didn't want to go to jail. But this has been a constant, right? This has been of this, of this, um, cases that have affected even though these high rank functionaries so you can you can understand how corruption has is embedded in the country and why people is so exhausted of voting for the same people and they wanted a new face like Pedro Castillo in some in some parts of the country yeah can you tell me about the right wing in Peru and like what how what's their response you know I know that like yeah. eighty percent of the media for example is owned by yes. like by like the right and and I think in the United States because we have I mean it's it is the same you know like NBC and CBS and other folks it's it's still owned by oligarchs but it's so much more stark in Latin America when it comes to the media and that's why every time you read something about Pedro Castillo it's either like he's a Marxist Leninist crazy corrupt yes. guy or like or he's yes. a mate he's the best thing since sliced bread he's yeah. gonna be and it's like how do we find you know the middle road so yeah What's the right saying uh, about him? Yeah, actually, it's it's, it's unfortunate that, that the media, that the, I mean, the, the the formal media, I mean, that all the conglomerate of the broadcasting and some newspapers, they 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 played along with the, with the right wing, and we are not talking about the center right wing or a very kind of very smart right wing. We are talking about a very very rough right wing that makes. Uh, the right wing of maybe maybe in the, in, in the U.S. or maybe in other countries to look like a like a like a decent center or even left wing party. I mean, these are the right. Have wing you been following have... American politics, Jose? Are you sure? Yes, about I, that? Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you that. Yeah, actually, it makes uh, the, the right wing Peru makes Trump look like the president of National Academy and QAnon like us like a decent movement. I mean, this it's <laughs> oh, amazing. God. It's it's very very bad. I mean, I mean, uh, the right wing has since the since the moment that Pedro Castillo uh, won the first round and entered to the ballotage, the right wing in Peru is 
started to spread fake news, mm. not only to discredit Pedro Castillo, but also to discredit any any person who decided not to align with the right wing and who was supporting even center kind of uh, a program, right? So what they reacted in a very, very bad way, which was totally negative for the country because they uh, they sought to postpone the official proclamation of Castillo. So, and that's why he didn't have much time in order between the official proclamation and, uh, and, and when he had to take the oath for as president, there was like a less than one week. So the, he didn't wow. have the time, enough time, like to form government or to just to catch up or to make the, uh, uh, a proper transition from his own term. So another thing that he, they did, and, and actually is they copied, they were copying uh, the Trump's playbook in terms of that they were saying, they were claiming that there was electoral fraud and they never showed any proof of this, sure. never. No, they uh, actually they were saying that they were they were some kind of counterfeited uh, electoral ballots. They were saying that there were a collusion between the official authorities, and uh, they never could prove that. They even went to Washington to try to convince uh, uh, members of the uh, American organizations uh, of the Latin America to that they that they had to intervene in Peru because there was electoral fraud and no one listened to them. So it was they they made a ridiculous they they were very ridiculous and but unfortunately this undermined the democratic system in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful that Trump wasn't in office to receive that call from like, ooh, please coo us. Absolutely. Please yes. <laughs> coo Peru. And yeah. and Biden's yeah. like, no. <laughs> Trump would have been like, yes. I wanted to ask you about the you know, you say the right has been really reticent, has like tried smear campaigns. Um, you know, how much is true of some of the things they're saying? For example, you know, not not, not for example, but one of the things mm -hmm. I was hearing and from a critique from the left is that maybe Pedro Castillo is very um, religious and sort of conservative mm -hmm. socially, maybe against things like pro, you know, choice or, or uh, gay rights. And maybe mm -hmm. I'm not familiar enough with the kinds of civil rights in Peru currently, but how does his politics line up with, with that? Yeah, no, actually it has been a very important grassroots movement in, in favor of uh, civil rights in Peru, uh, for example, in terms of sexual rights and for LGBTI rights mm -hmm. uh, over the past years. Uh, but Pedro Castillo is not exactly he, he doesn't belong to this kind of to the left wing who support these rights in, in, in a very open way. He's a very, he's, he's Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, he, be, he belongs to a very religious family. Uh, so, and, and in order to, uh, to gain votes from the, from a North left wing conservative movement, even though it looks like a very opposite kind of uh, way to say this, but there is a very conservative left wing movement here. Uh, so, and, but also he has, he has demonstrated that he can negotiate, that yeah. he can be open to change. And during the ballot, during the, during the electoral campaign, he was able to uh, to promise some changes in terms of this, of uh, to favor these LGBT movements in terms of women's rights, for example. Uh, he has he has, he has tried to fulfill some of these of these promises, but it's not enough. For example, there are only two women in the in the cabinet right now, which is very, very a very very low number of women because it's a setback from the from a, some in terms of a gender balance that we have been uh, gaining over the last the, the past years. So, but I think that this is something that he needs to uh, and the people is pressing him 
not only in, the, in terms of public opinion, but also within his own party. They are trying to push this, no? to put it in a more public way. So, but I think this is one of the things that, uh, that we need to keep pushing him yeah. to promote more gender rights. And in terms of like the, is he a communist? Isn't he a communist, Marxist, Leninist? Mm -hmm. Is that, is he embracing that? You know how Bernie Sanders in the mm -hmm. United States very much embraced his like democratic yeah. socialism, which was one of the things I very much admired about him. Is, is Castillo just trying to sort of pull back on that? Or is he, you know, I'm sure he's not, he can't be a full blown communist. Like he can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, he, I mean, he has been very, very smart and very, very cautious about uh, defining himself in a, in a specific political kind of line. I mean, he for he's, he he claims that he's from the left wing, okay, mm -hmm. which is a very in a, in a very broad sense, which is which is right. But the problem is that his party, uh, which he's not affiliated to the party, it's uh, like a party who invited him to run uh, for president. His party is a communist party. It's a Marxist-Leninist. Communist Party and the founder of that party, uh, Mr. Um, Serron, uh, Vladimir Serron, he's a neurosurgeon trained in Cuba. Wow. So, yeah, but Castillo, no, he's a more kind of flexible kind of, uh, I mean, he has been uh, union leader, so he knows that he cannot be kind of very, very confrontational. He cannot be, he cannot sure. kind of antagonize, no? But what is interesting is that uh, in Peru, it's very hard to have a Communist Party or even a left-wing party because uh, the, the right wing has uh, appropriated of the of the idea to call terrorists to yes. those who belong to the left wing because we had a, we had this this very bloody uh, subversive movement in the 80s and part of the 90s, the Shining Path. So part of, part of the of the legacy of that, even though the Shining Path was defeated in 1992, part of the legacy is that the right wing has used the term. Uh, terrorist or the Peruvian ter Teruco to call to those who are in the center or even to those who defend, for example, gender rights, who those who don't align with uh, religious conservative viewpoint, right? right? Or those who try to proclaim or to defend social rights. So that's why it's very, very difficult to, to have a very all socialist open agenda here in the country. What is the, you, know, you had a one president they had one president a year for the last five years uh what's the likelihood that this one's gonna make it especially given the uh opposition on the way in and i don't imagine it's going to disappear now that his like cabinet's gotten the okay <laughs> good job you win we lose what's the likelihood that uh this president uh, well, I, I mean it's gonna be, be able to it's gonna, gonna be hard even though uh castillo won i mean he as, as fonseca was saying uh, he went with a very, very thin, right, Marius? So uh, I think that he would, he has to be very, very careful because he's, I mean, he's, he has to manage in both sides from, from his own party, from the radical wing of his own party, right? And also to defend from the right wing. So, I mean, he's not in a position that I really envy. I mean, this is, I mean, I think that nobody, nobody wants to be in, in his own shoes. But something that uh, that he has also shown that he can be very flexible in terms to, for example, to remove those uh, members of the cabinet who are very kind of the, who have been exposed to high criticism or who they don't fit for the for the job, right? So, but I mean, it's going to be very very hard five years, and the right wing uh, they 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 are they want to defeat him because if he if he 
fin if he if he is going to finish his term, that's going to prove that the right wing maybe is not going to be back to the to the executive executive power for a very long time, right? So I mean, so that's that's what happened, for example, in the these past days. I mean, he got a vote of confidence from the Congress, with the Congress also dominated by the right wing, but he also had to negotiate yeah. with uh, several groups uh, in terms of the public opinion. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's totally different. Yeah, and I was just reading that, you know, that that Peru Libre does not have many seats in Congress. So that's sort of like he's not in a strong position right now. So he is negotiating, which is good, right? I mean, ostensibly mm -hmm. um, all around, of course, once they find a new Fujimori to run, look out. Fuji, uh, Fujimori, who's not in jail, just you wait, Peru. It'll happen again. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, and I guess, is there anything else you wanted to add in terms of how, like how people outside of Peru should be looking at Peru, you know, given that every time it's like, oh, a socialist president is elected, mm -hmm. you know, at least folks like myself on the left, we all get like, ooh, yay, cool. Yeah. Like any thoughts on how we should or should not feel about what's going on in Peru? Um, yeah, no, I think that I think that this is this is a very good opportunity, uh, not only for the left wing to show that the country needed to just to a uh, president and a government to focus on to focus more on the majority, because uh, Pedro Castillo won with the votes not only from the from the urban areas and from the capital city, but also from a very very vast majority of those who were silenced over the past years. For example, indigenous communities. Uh, People from the Amazon, so and, uh, and and even the urban poor. So I think it's um, I mean it's very significant that he won the election, but also uh, it's very important for all of us, not only in, in the country but also in Latin America or even in the Americas, that uh, that how we need to rethink the economic model. Right? We are not we are not saying that we need to just to abandon capitalism or to just to return to a pre-Columbian economy, like some right-wing commentators they are, are saying that what's going to happen with Pedro Castillo, but we need to, to we need to more uh, in the terms of the social economy to focus more on people, right? I mean that the pandemic in Peru hit very, very bad. I mean Peru has been uh, one of the maybe countries that was more affected in terms of the of the death toll and uh, with um, but also the the pandemic also rebuilt the the limits of this economic model. Mm. Right? We know they were they many many people they didn't have uh, coverage in terms of public health or even now right now they cannot access to remote education because they don't have equipment. And also it showed that the we need to focus more in terms of that to get a more robust state with uh, and to try to find a balance between economy and the state in order to provide more public services. So I think it's, uh, I mean, that if you ask me, I think that we should see uh, Peru in terms of, um, to be very optimistic on how we are trying to, to fight back the pandemic. The vaccination is, is moving very, very fast. Uh, it is, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's good. Even uh, despite the right wing started uh, campaign to promote Ivermectina and promote and to sabotage the, the, the vaccination campaign and say that you should not get a, a Chinese vaccine because the Chinese vaccine is very bad. You should yeah. you should wait you know, for another vaccine, any other vaccine, but not the Chinese vaccine. So aren't there Chinese is, mines? Aren't there Chinese operated and owned mines in Peru? 
Like, yes, like they, oh, please, you can, yeah, 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 no, no, you can extract all kinds of jewels and take all the money <laughs> away, but we trust them to do that. But no, 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 we don't trust them on any kind of vaccine. It's just such ridiculous absolutely. xenophobia. It's totally ridiculous. Totally. Okay. Absolutely. And xenophobia is very, unfortunately, very strong in the country, even though the, Chi the Chinese community is one of the oldest Chinese community in the Americas. I mean, only, yes. only after San Francisco, only after California. I mean, because of the gold rush, um, after California, Lima, and the urban coast and coastal area is one of the largest and the That's oldest Chinese communities here. So it's kind of crazy how you can trust in Chinese with, I mean, in terms of the, okay, give us your money or give us your donation or whatever, but we don't trust your vaccines, right? right. It's kind of this insanity that the right wing is, is, is provoking here. I have one final question, which is if, if Peru taxed people who use Machu Picchu as their dating profile, do you think it could make a decent sum of money to help social programs there? <laughs> like looking off into the distance. I I took a tram up okay. this. <laughs> no, I'm obviously that is a joke. Glad you laughed. Um, oh yeah, no, I know, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it is. I am heartened though that like a lot of the companies are like Chinese and and Canadian because they're like Canadians don't really coo people that much. So I'm like, like how would they even? What would they do? They just slowly siphon off mineral wealth. But um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. If it's not uh, too much yeah. trouble, eh? <laughs> could we uh like have a different yeah. guy? Like if you're not busy later, can <laughs> you change could governments you, uh, for us? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, Brett. And uh, thank you, Jose. Uh, where can we find your work and writing on on this? Uh, well, I'm. Um, Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a book about Fujimori, about the 90s. Uh, so it's like a social history of Fujimori and how Peru experienced uh, Fujimorism from, from the, in, in the streets, especially. So uh, once that I finish the book and once that is published, I will let you know so, so maybe we can have a conversation about that. I would love that. Let us know. And, and thank you so much for sharing and shedding light on what's going on. Um, would love to have you back. A lot of people want to hear more about Latin America politics. So anytime, <laughs> Jose, thank you so much. Um, and, and take very good care. And Brett Ehrlich, will you stick around? Yes. Okay, we've sure. got one more segment. Because in honor of the Milk Crate Challenge, which if you're listening months in, a, in later, this will feel so irrelevant. But right now, I want you to know that right now it's actually really meaningful. So don't hate. No, the milk crate challenge, uh, which involves walking on progressively larger milk stacks of milk crates. Um, it's basically like Mario Brothers come to life and poorly and features a lot of people eating eating utter shit. Uh, so much so that TikTok has officially banned the hashtag milk crate challenge, um, which it can do. Because remember how it's, it's a totalitarian contraption spying on us? Anyway, um, it's they're banning it because a lot of people are being injured. The point is this. I want to know from this audience, from you, Brett Ehrlich, what is your milk crate challenge in life? What is the difficult thing that takes balance and patience and probably way too much of your free time? This is my milk crate challenge.
My milk crate challenge is ragtime music. <laughs> wow. That's um, Kevin McLeod. You show him some respect when you're on this show. I'm I'm fine with people who know it. I the only reason I hate I have like been been uh scarred by ragtime is by everyone I've ever met learns the entertainer and thinks that the best thing to do to show off is to play it faster than anyone's ever played it before it's just like stop it that's not what makes a good song is fast so wait this this is um, you that's anyhow. actually your milk crate challenge like this is what's like this in life like the rag ragtime music in life lately my milk crate challenge has been trying to figure out where to start with a lot of stuff mm. like you're saying like the thing that that I'm climbing, but always kicks the yeah. crap out of me. Yeah. So it, it really, well, aside from the move I'm doing, <laughs> obviously that one is just like, Oh, I've been packing for three <laughs> weeks and I think I have three weeks left of packing to do um, for me to bring it back into like a political angle. It's, it's like knowing I, I want it's, it's knowing whether people are serious about their complaints mm or if they're just being political schmuckos mm. like what i was saying about earlier the thing i'm bitching about it's it's that and i think that you know the same way that people start a sentence by saying bless their heart and you know exactly what's coming next they're going to talk crap on someone and really want you to be like don't get mad at me for this i'm yeah. caveating there needs to be a caveat like that that's as widely understandable for people who are just going to say something that they just are about to contradict in yeah. five seconds, but they're only doing it for the purpose of being like, I'm on the inside of this political movement and I don't really want to be right. I just want to feel like I'm together with a bunch of a-holes and, and that's why I'm doing this. So please don't call me out for my hypocrisy in three, two, one. And I always start <laughs> engaging and then I take that next step to be like well let's connect it to your previous come oh god i fall <laughs> and i just have like a, a like a femur protruding yeah. through the skin mm. like that's you know it's very true in media especially in, in political punditry and analysis you realize that most people are just playing a part and you're like oh right 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 and you're probably and you can feel it you can feel it when it's just like, oh, you don't actually have an opinion on this. You just don't want to not have an opinion. So you're going to say like the last tweet that you saw, but not give credit to the yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, look, let, to be fair, oftentimes I we don't have a for, fully formed opinion. You know what I mean? Like new shit comes to light, dude, as, you know, the dude says. The point is, is like... It's okay to be nuanced and it's okay to be like, I haven't, the facts aren't in yet. The you know, story is still breaking and uh, I don't know. It's a complicated one. Let's wait and see. It just, that just doesn't get clicks and doesn't, you know, help your career um, as much. But yeah, it's true. It does feel like, especially when you're talking about right-wing media, trying to go up against it or like trying to like corner, again, corner anyone's logic, you're just going to fail because most people are, are lying to themselves mostly. And even left, yeah. Even fake left or even left wing media, like the people that we're all thinking about when I say this, where it's like, okay, do you really want? And I see them like be like, I gotcha. They're playing videos where, like, even in the video, there's nothing to get mad about, but they're still getting mad about it. Like that stuff where it's like, you don't, you don't care yeah. about this. And, and like the joke is like, I'm going to go get too specific. Be specific. But like, Nobody watches. Are you show. mad that I haven't added? 
are you mad that i haven't asked Assad to dinner is that what your gripe is like am i am i because i'm not dining with him every wednesday like as a boys night is that why i am a freaking oh so you don't like like, Assad snacks okay that's it it's like what what is the test him doing the like nut nutty buddy checks mix where he like Rolls it in powdered sugar and peanut butter. That's not good enough for Brett Ehrlich. The fact that we're not wearing matching footy pajamas right now has really angered Jimmy <laughs> Dore. Like that's so like, what the fuck do you want? I can't love Assad. I'm sorry I don't. And your implications that I should. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, my milk crate challenge is different. It's basically just having a freelance career. Very difficult. I think I like it sometimes, but it's incredibly tough. I love, I I mostly like it, but I also feel at any moment I'm going to fall on my ass. Um, and that's hard. Also relationships. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. We're climbing. We're climbing. I'm engaged. Love me some Matt Lieb. But I'm also like terrified that I'm going to fall on my ass, you know, and, and marriages. Really? Oh, he's great, great, but like, am I gonna fuck it up? I think everyone knows this, right? (laughs) Everyone has this moment of a relationship where you're like, no, am I gonna ruin it? So I think freelancing and just married life, you're like, or or almost married life. Um, Anywho, I'm I'm very real on my podcast, guys. Let's, Let's get, get into in that. Let's see, everybody. Hi, Hi. Joyce Brothers here. Tell me about. You know, sometimes. Tell me about why you're gonna fuck up. Bring a little romance into the bedroom. Okay, I'm done. Um, let's. This is like a pervy a NPR. I show wish NPR were pervy. Uh, from the comments, uh, people are saying working full time while going to college, trying to date in a desert town. I, I was like a desert town, like a literal desert town. Okay, is that harder? Or like a deserted town. Anyway, the point is... It's perfect. It's perfect. Everybody's got a very dry, very dry in the desert town. <laughs> it's my Ben Shapiro. It's great. It's how I met my wife. Uh, I, very, I refer to other regions as a desert That's town. That's true. Trying to date. It's like, yeah, just to even anyone getting wet. A lot of spit involved. Anyway, okay. All right. I'm done. Uh, motivational posters. Um, like my that. Motivational posters are your milk crate challenge? I want to hear more about that. Um, trying to catch my three-year-old grandson after a potty session when he's decided it's great to run around pantsless through the house. That just sounds like fun. Um, watching TV or social media and looking for representation for my culture, being honest, not taking the doomer pill. Ooh, yes. Is that a physical pill? Yeah. I love the idea. When you're chasing your pantsless three-year-old around the house, you're trying to end freedom. <laughs> like... You were like, stop being unbridled. I must bridle this yeah. joy. And he's just like, my body, my choice. <laughs> um, throws some shit at you. Yeah, I see it. Um, guys, thank you so much to all of the super chatters as well. That's not a thing, but I'm calling it super chatters. Desiree DeWitt, Arthur Ashbrook, Kev C247, Carlos Sanchez, one off. Happy birthday. Chris Nesbitt, Carrie Venus, and to the Twitch subs. Uh, Brett wasn't lying. Depressed Progressive, Dragon Princess, Late Bloomer, 66, Masonic, Flex, <laughs> Trill South, L. Parker, 3, Just Czar, Chester, Pound, Pound, or LB, 623, Flatulence, Slake Hatch, Dave Schmidt, 311, and Apple Apples. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and Brett Ehrlich, thank you for being here. Where can people find you? 
Oh, crap. You can find me. Uh, where am I on? Uh, so Wednesdays at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. I do the happy half hour where lately we've just been answering like who is the best, you know, we've been doing voting. We call it, uh, Bracketing. what is it? Bracket. Battle brackets where, yeah, battle brackets where we just do a bracket and see like what's the best uh, cheeseburger that you can get at a chain store. Um, so we got that. And then, uh, John, I show the damage report every Friday. I do that. And I, Francesca and I book I in the weeks, um, keeping it together. And then, uh, you'll see me Fridays. We're going to switch some stuff up. I think this week. Uh, so there'll be a big announcement on Monday for what's happening to common room and some really fun changes oh, nice. that we're doing. And then right before this show, every Sunday, I do the Sunday stream where you fun. get Sunday stream, but I call I spell it the fun way where we take a look behind the scenes at making the Young Turks and you help me do my job so I don't have to get up that early on sun on Monday morning to pitch stories. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Good luck with the move. Uh, Alfida Sane. Danke, Shane. And thank you all for being here. Thanks to Becca Roofer, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Ellie Hoffman, to Alexandra Ornes. Uh, and we stream every... Sunday at 5, 8 Eastern. There's going to be some a little bit of scheduling changes, but this Thursday, September 2nd, we're going to be live in Portland. You can also watch 7.30. The stream will be there. Uh, it's going to be so good. I would love for you to make it. Um, so, you know, put me on the big screen and get some uh, Assad snacks and, uh, you know, let's hang. Uh, and uh, remember, guys, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it. Be about it.